Good day and welcome to True Wisdom, a podcast for, well, for talking about God and for discussing and learning about the Bible. Welcome, Andrew. Welcome, Robert. And welcome to our guests. How do you start a conversation about the Bible with someone who doesn't even believe in the Bible? Um, typically, I don't. If I know, like if I don't know, I will engage them and I will express my perspective of the Bible and et cetera and so on. But if someone doesn't believe in the Bible as a frame of reference, I don't start the conversation with them about the Bible um, unless I'm unless it's internal to me, right? I can tell you that you know my faith. I, I, I would even say it about the Bible. If I think about it really, I start from the position of when I don't know someone or I don't know enough about their beliefs. I start from the position of God is good to me. Right? I start from that position. Just depending on how they respond to that. I know what directions I can go in, but I never try to engage someone in a belief in a system they don't believe in. It's futile. All right, fair enough. Um, we could we could get more in depth on that one day um, when it comes to witnessing and testifying and just how Jesus did it, as opposed to how sometimes we try to do it today. So. Um, yeah, we should be, get into that one of these days. All right. Okay. What is our theme verse? Our theme verse, our theme verse is Proverbs 9, 9 and 10. Um, give instruction to a wise man and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. That is Proverbs 9. 9 and 10. And that's all about true wisdom. All right. So let's go ahead. You go ahead and pray this time, and we'll jump it right into our lesson. Okay. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your goodness to us. We want to thank you that we have the privilege of coming together and studying like this. We invite your presence to be with us now. Uh, bless us. Give us wisdom and understanding. Give us a loving heart. And also be with the technology and keep it under control. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what topic are we covering today? Uh, I don't know if I have a name yet, but uh, we're going to head over to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 10. There's a story in the middle of Leviticus, which is typically not a book about stories. Um, usually that's Exodus or Numbers and even parts of Deuteronomy. But Leviticus is, uh, chapter 10 is where we're going to look at for our, our story, uh, today. And, uh, it's about consequences. We'll see. I should have a name before we're finished. All right. It's about consequences. And you said we're going to start in chapter 10, and what verse? Chapter 10, verse 1. We're going to read the whole of chapter 10, Leviticus chapter 10. All right. And Nadab and Abihu, 
the sons of Aaron took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. All right, do me a favor, break down that sentence because it seems to be in a couple of different negatives or a couple of different um, uh, tenses for us today. Because it okay. says it took either of them his censer, put fire in, offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. Okay. Um, so if you were to look at Leviticus chapter 8, it would start off... Um, with the consecration of Aaron and his sons. So there was, the priesthood is, is being established here. And Aaron and his sons were consecrated to the priesthood because this is, the, the sanctuary is built, the, te- the temple, tabernacle in the wilderness is built, and the, um, and then Aaron and his, and his sons are consecrated for the service. And so if you go through chapter eight, chapters eight and nine, there's a multi-day service. Verse nine, chapter nine, verse one says, and it came to pass on the eighth day that Moses called Aaron and his sons and said, take a young calf, sin offering, et cetera, and so on. So there's a consecration, okay? And at the end of this consecration service, it says here, um, Leviticus 9, 22 24, it says, And Aaron lifted up his hand toward the people and blessed them and came down from offering of the sin offering and the burnt offering and peace offering. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed the altar and consumed upon the altar, the burnt offering and the fat, which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their face. So there's a consecration service, not just for the sanctuary, which is done in this reference in Numbers chapter 7, but also for the priests and the priesthood. Okay. Shortly thereafter, and not too long, because you tell that as we go through some of these verses, but shortly thereafter, Nadab and Abihu take, they both of them took their censer and they put some fire in, but they didn't put the fire that they were supposed to put. Okay. They put a different kind of fire, not the fire they were supposed to put. And the verse that we want to look at to help give us, uh, to give us context for this is, uh, where is it? In Exodus 30, verse 9, it talks about not offering strange incense thereon. Okay? Okay. It says that there, and then um, let me get the fire in. Well, numbers, numbers also. I need to get the place where it talks about the offering of the fire. We might have to put that in the notes because I don't remember exactly where the verse was for where they were supposed to pick up the fire. God lit a fire inside the sanctuary. Right, right. Redeem lit all the time. They were always supposed to take of that fire to offer uh, incense and sacrifices to him. Right? 
They were not supposed to take any strange fire. But they went and lit some fire of their own making. And and the reason they did it, it's not obvious in this verse, but it will be obvious in a few verses. And so the verse one, which you wanted clarification on, made Evan Abihu the eldest of the four sons of Aaron. They both took their censers. They put fire in. It was strange fire because it was not the fire that God had lit. And they offered that fire before the Lord when he had commanded them never to offer strange fire before him, that they were always supposed to use the fire that he had provided. Right. All right. So now let's go to the consequences. Chapter 10, verse 2. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, That is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. And Moses called Mishael and El-Zaphan, the sons of Uzzel, Uzel, the uncle of Aaron, and said unto them, Come near, carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So they went near and carried them in their coats out of the camp, as Moses had said. And Moses said unto Aaron and unto Eleazar and unto Ith Ithamar, his sons, Uncover not your heads, neither rend your clothes, lest ye die, and lest wrath come upon all the people. But let your brethren, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning which the Lord hath kindled. Well, pause a second. This is, this is very significant, and it's something that we don't appreciate. The role that Aaron had was so significant as the intercessor of the people that even at personal pain to himself, he could not deviate from his responsibility. He did not get to mourn the death of his son. If he deviated from this religious service, this observance that he was doing, it would not only harm him, but because of his intercessory role for the people, it would harm the people. Oh, he yes. would create total devastation for Israel. So what his sons had done was selfish, not only in, in that you know it created a problem for them, but it created a problem for their father, which created a problem for the people. And he couldn't do it. And Moses had to tell him, don't deviate because any deviation will create a significant problem. And we need to understand that sometimes when we just do what we feel like because, hey, I don't want to be constrained and this and that, the other, sometimes your responsibility puts you in a place where you are constrained and where you cannot just do what you feel like. Let me, let me give you a quick, um, a quick narrative. Long time ago, I was in a church service I was responsible for managing a church service. It was some sort of a, a prayer and worship service that we were doing. People were coming up and doing readings and, and so forth. And then, um, and then we were having seasons of prayer. And a person came up, a person who should have known better, but a person came up and was doing this thing. And we had set times for everyone, and we'd spoken to people beforehand. And we were in the front of the church, and this person was abusing the time. And I leaned over very 
discreetly to the person to indicate that we needed to cut it. And they were upset because they felt the person before them had had a lot of time and they were like, I'm not using that, da, 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 da. And I stood there and lots and lots and lots of thoughts went through my head. Lots of thoughts went through my head. So many thoughts that I can remember most of them to this day. But I recognized that I was in a position of responsibility in the church for the people, for the congregation, and that most of the things that were running through my head would have, if executed, been disrespectful to God and been a bad example to the people and would have destroyed the sanctity of the service. And I could not do that. And as much as it pained me personally and annoyed me in the sense of people not following decorum, people who should know better and had their own responsibility, I realized that I couldn't just do what I wanted to fix this problem, that it would not have the effect. Okay? If I had done what I wanted, there are at least 150 people who would remember that day differently, who probably today don't remember that day at all. Right, exactly. Okay, so you, sometimes the position that we're in and the responsibility that we have is so significant that we can't just do what we want. I did have a conversation with that person afterwards in private, and I said, don't ever let that happen again. Yeah. We still have the opp uh, the opportunity to handle things in a good way, even under bad circumstances. Absolutely. So this is important about what has happened here in the in the home of a key leader of Israel. All right. Verse 7. And ye shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die. For the anointing all of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. So, again, this can't be too far off from the previous two chapters where they were anointed and put in here, right? This can't be weeks later. This has to be within a relatively short period of time from when that consecration service started, because it was a multi-day consecration service. Right. And the Lord spake unto Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine nor strong drink, thou, nor thy sons with thee, when you go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. And that ye may put difference between holy and unholy, and between unclean and clean. And that ye may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord had spoken unto them by the hand of Moses. Okay, pause a second now. So now we have a sentence, verses 9 through 11, that tells us something, actually verses 8 through 11, that mm -hmm. tells us something important. Even though it's not mentioned in verses 1 through 3, what do you suppose um, precipitated this event? precipitated which event? How, Them, why oh, did... Oh, 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 yes. They were drunk. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm Because their behavior does not... Uh, it doesn't seem... Oh, so the question would be, why would they do that? And so the answer to that is, well, they weren't sober. Yep. 
And and you see how the Lord didn't say, well, they weren't sober, so I'll punish them mildly and give them a good talking to afterward. No, they did something that they were told not to do. I mean, that is the honest problem with alcohol. You lose your ability to make rational thought. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't change your culpability. No. Um, uh, yes, it, it's unfortunate, but you're still responsible. The states see it the same way. If you mm-hmm. kill someone when you're drunk, you're still responsible for that. Yeah, because you chose to be drunk, and then the results of whatever happened are your are connected to your initial choice. Yeah. Nobody says, oh, you lost control of the vehicle um, because you were drunk. So we'll, you know, if someone drugged you, right, and you didn't realize and you ended up in a situation, that would be one thing. But but trust me, if during your testimony, someone had drugged you and, and during your testimony you say, yeah, I was feeling kind of woozy. I don't know what had happened. And then, you know, I felt kind of off. I decided to go and drive for four hours to get back home. You're still going to have problems. You're still culpable. You You're still going to be culpable. Wrong. They may, the other party may also be culpable, but no one is going to give you a pass on, I felt things were off, so I continued to do things the way I normally did them. Yeah. And verse 10 is interesting, that ye may put difference between holy and holy, and between clean and unclean. He's recognizing the fact that when you are intoxicated, mm-hmm. your thought process is wrong. It's impaired. Yeah. It's impaired. All right, verse 12. And Moses spake unto Aaron and unto Eleazar and unto Ithamar, his sons that were left, take the meat offering that remaineth of the offering of the Lord made by fire and eat it without leavened bread, excuse me, eat it without leaven beside the altar, for it is most holy. And ye shall eat in the holy place because it is thy due and thy son's due of the sacrifices of the Lord made by fire, for so I am commanded. And the wave breast and heave shoulder shall ye eat in a clean place, thou and thy sons and thy daughters with thee, for they be thy due and thy sons due, which are given out of the sacrifices of peace offerings of the children of Israel. The heave shoulder and the wave breast shall they bring with the offerings made by fire of the fat to wave it for a wave offering before the Lord. And it shall be thine and thy sons with thee by a statute forever as the Lord hath commanded. Verse 16. And Moses diligently sought the goat of the sin offering and behold, it was burnt. And he was angry with Eleazar and Ithamar, the sons of Aaron, which were left alive, saying, Wherefore have ye not eaten the sin offering in the holy place, seeing it is most holy? And God hath given it you to bear the iniquity of the congregation, to make atonement for them before the Lord. Behold, the blood of it was not brought in within the holy place. Ye should indeed have eaten it in the holy place, as I commanded. And Aaron said unto Moses, Behold, this day have they offered their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord, and such things have befallen me. And if I had eaten the sin offering today, should it have been acceptable in the sight of the Lord? And when Moses heard that, he was content. 
Okay, so Moses is is sticking to all of the procedure, and Aaron says, "Listen, this fault here is mine. In in how I led my children to up to this point, that gets them to this point, and I'm dealing with this grief, and I did not deviate in these other ways, but I took care of the sacrifice the way that it could be taken care of in the second case, which is if you couldn't consume it, you had to burn it." Mm, okay. Okay, because it couldn't just sit and rot. That, that that was never acceptable. It was either going to be consumed in the person or it was by going fire. to be by fire. And remember, we learned this also about the Passover. On the Passover, you had a certain amount of time to consume it, and after that, it had to be burned. Right. Okay? So... With that, he said, this is, this is what happened and everything has occurred and uh, you know I can't do anything outside of that, but this is the course that I took. And Moses is like, okay, I hear you. All right. Which, which shows the compassion of God in the midst of things. So while it is true that God is not just going to give you a pass for everything that occurs when you're outside of his will, God also remembers our frailty. He also remembers our grief. And, and Aaron stayed within the framework that was given him. He chose an appropriate alternative in that framework. That was a legitimate one. He didn't make up some new thing. He didn't ad lib. He took an option that was a valid option, just not the option that Moses had expected because Moses expected everything to go according to plan A. And Aaron's like, given everything that's happened, I took plan B. Would it have been accepted if I had done plan A given the state of everything? Moses is like, okay, that's the point. All right. Yeah, so even through his grief, he remained, uh, he did the right thing. He had to, because that was was the lesson that, that's one of the key lessons that came out of this. Your state of mind is not an excuse for the decisions that you make. Now, I will say, having said that, I will say this. God understands our frailty. And that doesn't mean we can just do anything and bail it out on God understands. What I'm saying is that if someone has, if, if a relative has Alzheimer's and they do something under those contexts, I don't know how, we, how that gets judged. God knows. I, I'm relying on God to make the right judgment call on people who have mental impairments. Mm. Not have mentally impaired themselves through alcohol or, or substance abuse, but who have mental impairments. I'm, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? That's what Abraham had asked. And that's the question that I rely on. God understands how that works. And I trust him. He gives us rules. And a lot of times, you know, we have these, um, these questions where people will say, well, what about the people in India or in China who never heard the word of God? And it's like, listen, people, Stop hanging out in the edge cases. God knows what he's going to do about those people. That has no bearing on you, though. You are sitting here under the full light of the gospel. You've got the internet. You've got every television station. You have pamphlets falling from the sky with with religious themes upon them. You, what will you do with that information? Don't worry about the person who's never heard anything and some animal speaks to them. Like, don't worry about those edge cases. What will you do with the gospel? Mm. That's what's important. 
What will you do with the light that is shining on your pathway? God will take care of all of the edge cases. There's no condition that exists that God didn't give some account for. But don't don't hinge your decision-making about the response to the call of God on what might happen to somebody in a far-flung portion of the planet. <laughs> Interestingly said. All right. So this is consequences, and this covered yeah. quite a few... Yeah. Quite a few different uh, areas, but it, it starts out with being responsible for your uh, thought process and then your behavior. Mm -hmm. We see an example of not doing that and an example of doing it. All right. Is were those your final words? If so, I will pray. Yep. Lord, we thank you for this lesson. Um, uh, we know that you have grace and mercy and you extend them to us, but we also know we have a responsibility and um, we can avoid negative consequences by staying on the straight and narrow. You provide for us when we trip and fall, when we make mistakes, but um, we know that there are often consequences we have to pray. So we thank you for the grace and mercy and we pray that you'll give us the strength to stay on the straight and narrow. Amen. All right. So thank you for that. And Andrew has some other uh, topics that he covers on his podcast, including this topic. Andrew, how do we find your podcast? You go to Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. You can find it in all of the places where where this podcast can be found and all the places where you might listen to other podcasts. And you can go to biblestudy.asbzone.com and you will find all of the, the links to the various podcasts and also other Bible study resources. All right. And if you'd like to reach out to us to ask us about this or any of our other podcasts, we can be reached by Twitter at truewisdom underscore pod. Uh, we can be reached by email, info at truewisdom.info. We look forward to hearing from you and answering your questions or studying on and discussing topics that you might find interest. Uh, keep the emails coming. Um, and if you'd like to go back and look at some of our other emails, maybe they don't show up on the podcast list anymore, but we have quite a few. Over 150 episodes can be found at truewisdom.info. We thank you for listening, and we pray you will be blessed.